Good Sunday morning, good Sunday morning, good Sunday morning. I know everybody listening to me this morning can join in with that song. Lord, you brought me from the mighty, 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 mighty long way. Thank you for joining us for another Sunday morning with Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in the beautiful city of Panama City, Florida, where Reverend Woodrow Wilson is senior pastor, Minister Eldrick Kirkman on staff. I don't know about you, saints and friends, but I'm truly thanking God for another week. As the Wood Church used to say, he did it, but he didn't have to do it. But since he did do it, I am thankful and I count it as a blessing to still be in the land of the living. Go with me in prayer. This morning, kind and everlasting, Father, it's once more again that, Father, that we, a few of your humble servants, bend our heads and uh, bow our bodies just to say thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. And thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the ups and downs, ins and outs, trials and tribulations. Thank you for the nights that we may have stayed awake thinking and worrying. But thank you, Father, because we realize that despite all our worrying, despite all our thinking, that you are a comforter. You are our God. You are our keeper. You are our savior. You are our deliverer. You are our way maker. You are our heavy load carer. You are a lifter of our bow down heads. You are the one who dries our tear-stained eyes. And we thank you this morning. Thank you for ups and downs, ins and outs, setbacks and setups. Thank you for your son Jesus dying on our cross. And we thank you for another Sunday morning because it was on that Sunday, Father, when he got up with all power in his hand, power over death, power over the grave, power over sickness, power over diseases, power over self. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much, for giving us your son. Now, Father, come in and be our unseen guest. Let everything be done that your name may get the praise, glory, and honor which is due unto it. Forgive us of our sins and our trespasses and our iniquities, Father. Let something be said and done that we all might have faith, hope, and cheer. And looking unto you, Father, for that everlasting light that we can get from no other place but from you. These are the son blessings we ask in our son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Saints and friends, let's look at this Sunday school for this week. Sunday school for this week. Comes from the gospel according to St. John. The background passages are John chapter 13, verses 1 through 35. Title of the text is Upside down love. Key verse being St. John chapter 13, verse 15. For I give unto you, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Chapter 13, we find that this is the outline of the text. Chapter 13 starts at verse 1 through 11. We see the outline being Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. Outline two of the part of the text, he gives instructions. Now it's time for you, verses 12 through 17, wash one another's feet. Third move in the text is uh, verses 18 through 30 is the betrayal of that was going to come his way. That's foretold. Last move of the text we can see right there uh, is 
the new commandment. Talking about his departure and the new commandment. Verses 31 through 15. Uh, St. John chapter 13. This is one of the most intimate scenes in any other gospel. It features Judas. After Jesus had left the table, only those who had truly loved Jesus remained. Only they would hear the words of comfort and triumph spoken in the private room, shut away from the doubting crowds and the angry enemies that were coming. Judas represented everything and everyone to whom Jesus had offered life and life but who refused to respond with faith. Judas was one of the original 12. At the beginning, Jesus chose Judas to be with him in his public ministry. Like the other disciples, Judas saw Jesus' miracles and heard his teachings. Judas drew close in those private times when Jesus explained his words to the 12 alone. Judas, along with the other disciples, had often watched Jesus slip away before dawn to commune with the Father. Yet it was Judas who had failed to respond. Outwardly, he looked like one of Jesus' followers. He acted like them. He talked like them. Don't let you and I this morning be like Judas. The other 11 did not suspect in his inner core of sin was the unbelief. But it was there. Just as greed and uncaring attitude he shared with the Pharisees was always there. Sooner or later, the hidden heart of Judas would be revealed as he opened his personality to Satan influence and engaged in history's ultimate crime. He agreed with Jesus' enemies to betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silk. That price was established in the Old Testament. Not for someone's death, but for the freeman, but a slave. Judas, just like you and I, after we've sinned and after we've trespassed it, have begun to become remorseful over his betrayal. He was filled with horror. Judas tried to return the money to the temple to the priests. I've betrayed innocent blood, he cried. Under the law, the priests were charged with confronting and cleansing the sinner. But these priests responded, with indifference. What is that to us? In other words, that's your cross. In other words, that's your responsibility. You can find that in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 27, verse 4. Frantically, Judas ran to the edge of the cliffs of Jerusalem, where Jerusalem stands. And with shaking hands, he tied a rope around the limb of a tree. And around his own neck, 
He threw himself out in space. The rope jerked, stretched, and broke. Judas fell to his death on the jagged rocks below. You can find that in Matthew 27 chapter, verses 1 through 10. Also, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 18. When he finally faced his own guilt, Judas would not return to Jesus and ask for forgiveness that Christ had often spoke of when they were together. Judas proved that he could wear the mask of a believer. He proved he could fit, fit outwardly, even with the most sincere of Jesus' fathers. But like the Pharisees, Judas' inner life was evil. He shared in their lust for wealth. He shared in their lack of concern for other men and women. Finally, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he exposed his guilt even to himself. Judas still refused to respond with grace. Death seemed to be his preferred choice instead of begging for forgiveness. Judas didn't need to set that pattern for you and me. Thank God that we can acknowledge our own guilt and trust ourselves and turn ourselves over to God's grace when we can admit our wrong and our sinful ways. We can all come to God, each of us, because if we told the truth, many of us are just like Judas. We've betrayed Jesus. We've betrayed God. But thank God we have a Savior this morning in Jesus Christ, his Son, and he can give us forgiveness if we confess our sins. And in Jesus, we can find life that fills our personality, remakes our attitudes and our desires, and teaches us how to reflect on, to reflect on others and God's own love. Verses 34 and 35, we found out about that new commandment. If the disciples were going to survive in the absence of Jesus, they had to obey his example of love. The commandment is new, that it is a special love for believers based on the sacrificial love of Jesus. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Christians' love and support for one another enable them to survive in the hostile worlds that we live in. As Jesus was the embodiment of God's love, so now we as disciples should embody Christ's love. This love is a sign to the world as well as to every belief that he dwells in us. Reference 1 John, third chapter, verse 14. As an example, Jesus wants us to love one another. 
like he loved us. Questions this week that you need to ask yourself. What are the symbolic and significance of Christ's actions in verses 4? What is signified by the washing of the disciples' feet in verse 5? Next question. Why is Peter so prominent in verses 6 through 9? And lastly, what did Jesus mean in verse 8 when he says that if I don't wash your feet, you shall have no parts in me.
It's word time, saints. Go with me if you have your Bibles this morning. To the gospel according to St. Luke. And we're just going to look at that chapter 10, verse 30. When you're getting your own praying ground, and when you have time this week to meditate on the word, for context, read chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. But for the sake of time this morning, let's look at verse, chapter 10, verse 30. And it reads on this wise. And Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of all his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. This morning, I just want to speak from a quick subject. It's time for me to get involved. Grass wither, flower fadeth, but the word of our God has been tested, tried, and proved shall stand forever. Once again, I want to speak from the subject. It's time for me to get involved. Luke chapter 10 starts off, Lord appointed 70 other men to go out. Also, because the harvest was freely plenteous, but the laborers were few. He gives them power over all manner of sickness and disease and to cast out devils. And he said, whoever don't receive you in my house, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. The 72 go out and they begin to witness and minister and heal in Jesus' name. Then they return back unto Jesus and they begin to glorify and brag about all the things and all the devils and all the sickness and all the illnesses that were subject to their power. Jesus responds and says unto them, don't be bragging or boasting that because of my name, that even the devils are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the book in heaven. That's the word for us this morning. A lot of us may have prestige, might have power, might have influence over things and situations. But tell somebody you don't need to get happy about that this morning. Don't get happy because you got a little power under your belt. Don't get a little happy because somebody knows who you are and what you can do this morning. But rather, if you're going to glory about anything or get happy about anything this morning, get happy that your name is written in the book of life. He turned back to his disciples and he said, you know, you are blessed because you are given insight that everybody and anybody does not have and everybody does not get to see. And after he got done talking to the disciples, then came this ruler that was in the temple, was a lawyer. He stood up and he tried to tempt Jesus to ask Jesus a question. He asked Jesus, he said, what shall I do 
to gain eternal life. And Jesus responded back to him. He said, since I know you are a lawyer. See, that's the word for us this morning. We can't fool Jesus because Jesus knows everything from the beginning. And he knows the motives of why we ask the questions when we ask, what we ask, how we ask, and when we ask. He says, since you were a lawyer, and you understand it's the law, what readest thou? And the lawyer responded, he said, we ought to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, all our mind, and with all our strength. And love our neighbor. As ourselves, Jesus responds to the Lord and said, you've answered it. Right. He said, but if you do that, you shall live. The Lord wanted to make himself look like he had carried out everything that was required of him. But obviously he had not. So he went on to try to justify himself amongst Jesus. And he asked Jesus another question. And he says, well, who is? My name. And Jesus goes on to explain, he said, and he gives him the Jericho Road story, how this man went down from Jerusalem down to Jericho and fell among thieves. And they robbed him, they beat him, and left him for half dead. And the priest went by and saw him in the state and left him. A Levi went by and saw him in the state and left him. And there it was, somebody who was named. And known as a Samaritan. Saw him in his bewildered state. Picked him up. Bandaged him up. Cleaned him up. Washed him up. Dressed him up. And took him to an inn. And told the keeper of the inn. He said take care of him while I'm gone. And whatever it is that I owe you. When I come back. I will repay it. Jesus responds and said to the lawyer. Who do you think was his name? That's the story. Now let's start all over and see what the Lord has to say to us this morning. It's time for me to get involved. Life sometimes can have you standing on the sidelines because of mishaps and misfortunes and betrayals, setbacks and setups. Sometimes life, I have you standing on the sidelines. Sometimes you want to get involved. You want to do the right thing. You want to give somebody encouraging word. You want to give somebody a helping hand. But you go back down memory lane and you think about the last person you tried to help. Some of the last person you tried to give an encouraging word. The last person you lent money to. The last person you let come in your house. They brought nothing but disaster and chaos. And they, they forgot about all the help and encouragement that you tried to give them. Those were the same people. That turned their back on you. Those were the same people to ostracize you. Those were the same people who criticized you. Those were the same people who talked about you like you was a dirty dog. that Like you had never done nothing for them all the days of their life. Those were the same people that when you needed help yourself. You couldn't find them. You couldn't call them. You couldn't look them up in the daytime if you had a flashlight. You couldn't find them. No way. They just went on and they disappeared. And because of those same people breaking your heart, jerking your chips, leading you by the wayside and betraying you, you've taken the attitude and a disposition saying, I'm not going to help nobody else. I'm not going to get involved no more. Whatever happens to them is what happens to them. I got to worry about me, myself, and I. 
even in a church where we know it is God's commandment for us to love our neighbor as ourselves and to help our brother and sister. By doing so, we show that we have the love of Christ and that we have the love of God in our hearts. But somehow or another, even in the house of God, we've got cold hearts. And we look the other way when we see our brother and sister in need. We look the other way when we see our brother and sister struggling and we let them wallow in despair. Because we've all taken on the mentality, I can't get involved. And I don't know who broke your heart. I don't know who betrayed you. I don't know who let you down. I don't know who left you standing there all by yourself where you now guarded yourself and encased yourself saying I'm not going to help nobody else and I'm not going to get involved no more. I'm here to tell you before you keep that mentality, before you take that mentality, if you read your Bible and if you believe your Bible, I'm here to tell you you got to get rid of that mindset, you got to get rid of that attitude and you got to get rid of that disposition. Because God told us, he said, this is the new commandment that I want you to love your neighbor. As you love yourself. And if you love yourself this morning, you wouldn't just see yourself fall into pieces. You would do whatever it was, whatever it is that you could do, whatever it is that you should do to get yourself some help. So I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time for you to get involved. Reason number one, why it's time for you to get involved. There it is. We see it right there in the text. It's time for you to get involved. Because just like it is in the text, it's time for you to get involved because you see somebody in the wrong place. There it is in the text. It said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, Jerusalem was known as the city of peace. Jericho, on the other hand, when you look up the name Jericho, it means fragrant or having a pleasant or sweet smell. Jerusalem, city of peace. Jericho, fragrant, having a pretty or pleasant, sweet smell. Tell somebody this morning, fragrances attract you. But if you know anything about fragrance, sooner or later, fragrances wear off. And that fragrance that you want smell, that smell good, that attracts you sooner or later, it exposes something that you don't want to smell. Fragrances are just there for a period of time. And then you realize when the fragrance is gone, it's usually covering up something that has a contentious or bad odor. There was Jericho. Fragrance or sweet smell. But really when he got farther, 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 further down in Jericho, that smell of the sweet fragrance wore off and you realize that the city Jericho had a bad odor. And I don't know about you, but for some people, fragrance don't work. For some people, things smell sweet for you. But for somebody else, when they realize they get around those fragrances, it gives them migraines, it gives them breathing problems, it gives them some type of 
respiratory difficulties. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you leave whatever it is, your peace, and your peace may not be physically Jerusalem, but your peace may be the house of God. Your peace may be the word of God. And if you find yourself benching away from your peace, with Jerusalem represented in the text, the city of peace, and you find yourself going down to Jericho because you were attracted to a fragrance, you might get to a place that you realize it didn't smell as sweet as you thought it would be or as it could be, and you realize that the sweetness of that fragrance wore off and has now got a bad odor. Not only does it have a bad odor, tell somebody it's going to take away your breath. It's not only is it going to take away your breath, it's going to impair your visit, your ability to breathe. Here it is in the text. Jerusalem is 2,600 feet above sea level. You missed it. Jericho is down in the valley below sea level. 1,350 feet. Jer Jerusalem Above sea level. Jericho, below sea level. You missed it. When you stay in your word, you have peace. When you stay connected to God and Jesus, you have fellowship. But when you get down to those things that smell good, Jericho, you leave your peace and you lose sea level. We're not talking, you know, in the text, when we talk about sea level, we're talking about S-E-A. But when I talk about you getting below sea level, I'm not talking about S-E-A no more. I'm talking about when you get down in Jericho lands, you get down where you can't see no more. Tell somebody, stay away from Jericho because you're going to get down in a land where you won't not be able to see no more. S-E-E. -E. And tell somebody, when you get down in Jericho, if you find yourself in the wrong position, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, you might lose your ability to see this morning. Um, between Jericho and Jerusalem, there is about 18 miles. You missed, if you understood anything in the text, about the text I told you, in between Jericho and Jerusalem, there was a, a distance about 18 miles. Jericho, Jerusalem, up on the hill, up on the mountain, the city of defense. When you go down into Jericho, you're going down the mountain. It was a perfect place for ambush. It was a perfect place for attack. Tell somebody, you better stay up on the hill. And our hill is the word of God. Our hill is connection to God. Our hill is the word of God. Tell somebody, if you're going to stay safe, stay with the word of God. Stay up on the hill this morning. 18, above, 18 feet above. Sea level. The number 18 in the text and the number 18 in the Bible represents bondage. Here it was. Jericho represented peace. Jerusalem represented Jer excuse me, Jerusalem represented peace. Jericho represented sweet fragrance. If we know fragrances don't last always, fragrances wear often as this man found himself going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he realized that that fragrance of Jericho rolled off. And now he's not only below sea level where he can't see his way no more. Now he's going into a city 18 feet, 18, uh, 18 miles apart. Now this number 18 represents bondage. Be careful where you travel because some places you travel will bind you up. 
18 represents bondage because it was Luke. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had the spirit of infirmity for 18 years and she bowed herself together and could no wise lift herself up. Heading from Jericho to Jerusalem, he was leaving the west and heading east. Anybody who's ever been to science class, you know, in science, they teach you that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. But here it is, this man decides he wants to leave from the place where the sun sets at. And he wants to go to the place where at nighttime there is no sun, there is nothing but darkness. Tell somebody, be careful how you travel, when you travel, where you're traveling. Because you might be leaving a place where the sun is setting at. You missed it. You missed it. If you walk away from the word of God, if you walk away from God, if you walk away from where peace is, you might find yourself going to a place where Jesus, the sun, when we talk about the text in the sides, from the sides perspective, we're talking about the actual natural sun, but when we're talking about the S-O-N, we realize that the Jesus, the God that we serve, Jesus, he is our S-O-N, and we want to be wherever it is that he rises and that he sets at. This man was walking away from where peace was, where Jesus was, and found himself walking down to where the stench was bad. He's heading from the west to the east. Winds blow east to west. You missed it. It's blowing downhill, not uphill. You missed it. If winds blow east to west, this man was traveling west to east. So in other words... He was walking away from where the peace was. Thank God that we serve a God despite what mistakes and choices that we make. He always has a witness to help us and to make sure that we have our peace. Reason number two of why you need to get involved. There it is right there in the text. It's time for me to get involved. Because just like in the text, somebody is found into the wrong hands and they didn't know who they were. There it is right there in verse 30. And he fell amongst thieves. You do know the difference between the thief and the robber. A thief is one who steals by stealth and in secret rather than open with violence. A robber on the other hand, is one who plunders and openly takes by violence. In the text, the individuals were all mixed up because they were identified as thieves, but in other words, they conducted themselves as robbers. How many times have you fallen in the hands of somebody who was confused on who they were and what they were supposed to do when they conducted themselves when you were in their hands? How many of you are fell into the wrong hands of a husband or wife who didn't know how to conduct themselves and know how to handle themselves when you were in their hands? 
how many of you have fallen into a boss's hand that didn't know who they were, what they were, and how they would conduct themselves when you were in their hands? But tell somebody this morning, thank God that I fall in no man's hands this morning because the only person's hands that I'm in hands of this morning, like all state, you are in good hands if you're in the hand of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell somebody this morning, certain things don't belong in everybody's hands. Wood Church used to say it like this, all in his hands, all in his hands. I put it all in his hands, all my burdens, all my trials, all my tribulations. I put it all in his hands. Thank God that we serve a God that when he puts it in his hands, he knows what to do when it's in his hands. In my hands, it's a mess, but in his hands, it's a masterpiece. In his hands, in Matthew 14 chapter, said he took two fishes and five loaves of bread and he fed over 5,000 men besides the women and children. The Bible says in St. John 10 and 28, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Thank God that we serve a God that knows who he is and what to do with everything. In his hands. Reason number three of why you need to get involved. It's time to get involved. Because just like in the text, people all around us are getting exposed and they are in the wrong position. There it is in the text says they stripped him, they wounded him, and they left him half dead. Verse 13. We live in a day and a time where many individuals don't want to take, uh, always want to take from somebody else and leave them exposed so they can also be half them remain in a bad position. It's bad enough that far too many of us have this taker mentality where we can care less what happens after we do what we do, when we do what we do, how we do what we do to who we do it to what we do. The text said they were thieves, but they acted more like robbers. They stripped him. In other words, they divested him. Let the church say, huh? In other words, they deprived him of his rights, his powers, and his possessions. See, you just saw it as they took his clothes from him. But in other words, they ripped off all his clothes and they divested him. They divested him of his rights, his powers, and his possessions. Not only did they take his worldly possessions, they wanted people to see him as nothing. How many of y'all have ever been in the hands of somebody who stripped you that they wanted to make it not just look like you had nothing? They wanted to make it look like and make it seem like that you... I have nothing. They divested you of your rights. They divested you of your power. They divested you of your influence. They ripped you and they stripped you of all the influence you had in the church. They ripped you and they stripped you of all the influence you had in your household. They ripped you and they stripped you of all the influence that you had on your job. How many of you are still dealing with people who routinely are stripping you? The text said, they wounded him. Wounded in the Greek means trauma. It's distressing or a disturbing experience. In other words, it was a distressing and disturbing experience. Because in other words, they knocked him upside his head. How many of you have been struck in your head that you haven't been able to regain or re-get your balance and somebody made it look like you were half dead? In other words, they wanted it to look like 
he was not only hopeless and helpless, where people would automatically just say there was no reason to go over there and try to do anything, try to resuscitate him, try to bring him back to life because his case is done and it's over with. It is finished. It's time for him to give up the ghost. There is no coming back after this. But tell somebody, thank God that we serve a God this morning, that despite that others have walked past us and left us, Thank God that we serve a God this morning. That despite no matter how bad our case looked, no matter how bad it looked like we were knocked upside the head, upside the head, no matter how bad it looked like and how bad we were traumatized from the experiences that we had when we had what we had, no matter how they tried to strip us and rob us and leave us half a day, our God specialized. So you say it like this. Do you have any rivers that seem uncrossable? Do you have any mountains that you seem like you can't tunnel through? You know that God, our God, he specializes in doing things that no other power can do. Not out of preaching, just out of time. But if I had more time, I would tell you it's time for you to get involved. Because people with titles refuse to. There it is in verse 31. Thank God that we serve a God that one day on a hill called Calvary, he decided to get involved. He, they said they hung him high and they stretched him wide and they, he hung his head and for you he bled and he died. But they, thank God that's not how the story ends because they tell us on three days later he got up with all power in his hand. All power in his hand. Power over death, hell, and the grave. Thank God that our God got involved when it looked like our case was helpless and hopeless. Thank God that our God got involved last night as he rocked us to sleep and he woke us up early this morning with bright light left with health and strength. Thank God that our God got involved when he started us on our clothes in our right mind and started us on our way this morning. Thank God that our God got involved right now because we can inhale and exhale. Thank God our God got involved because even though we got some aches and pains, he's still in the, we're still in the land of the living and we still can say thank you this morning. Thank God that we serve God. That got involved. It's time for us to get involved. No more should we walk around with the mentality that I can't get involved. I can't do no more. We got to get involved. Get involved this week by praying for a brother, sister, before you pray for yourself. Get involved this week by going and casting your vote for somebody else who can't get there. Get involved this week. That young man or that young woman that looks hopeless, lost, and full of despair. Get involved this week by calling somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time that might need your help. Get involved this week by not just walking past and leaving things like they are. Time is getting short, saints. We all need to leave this place better than what we found it. It's time for us all to get involved.